Come. Come to the first by Peak Podcast. With? With host? Host Hannah. Bye bye. I want to hear from With my dad. That's a warm kinder. I didn't say I wanted to preach on that subject while the congregation was asleep. I'll preach as a dying man to dying men. We are getting our ideas from the Bible. We are taking the listeners for a swim in the text. We believe that only God makes a preacher, but we want to help him be more faithful. This is the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast with host, Pastor Rob Ginter. Everyone was losing their minds. It was hilarious, and then it wasn't. Several years ago, my wife and I went to an evening service when we were dating, and they had a very special speaker who came in, and he started off with a very funny story, and everyone lost their minds, and the crowd erupted. And then after that story, he followed it with another story in which the crowd lost their minds in the midst of the hilarity. And unfortunately, he followed it with another funny story. And again, and you can just imagine how the rest of the sermon went right before a very serious moment, invitation, close in prayer. As we walked away that night, I looked over at my soon-to-be wife and I said, that guy was hilarious, but he's not a preacher. As preachers, we need to know how to use things like stories illustrations, and illustrative material to leverage the biblical truth in our sermons. Today, we invite Dr. Brian Chappell back to the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast to help us think through the nuts and bolts of illustrating the truth in our sermon. Dr. Chappell, in your book, Christ-Centered Preaching, Redeeming the Expository Sermon, you say illustrations are stories whose details, whether explicitly told or imaginably elicited, allow listeners to identify with an experience that further elaborates, develops, and or discloses the explanation of scriptural principles. And you tell us how to do this by, I think in your book you use the, the terms isolate and associate. That's right. Very helpful. Yeah. You isolate a, a truth in experience. Uh, you know, what, what's the thing that has happened that deals with what you are talking about and then associate it with the truth that you are explaining to God's people. And again, it's so hard for us. You know, most of us who go to seminary or in Bible college and learn to preach, we are, we are, we are people of the mind. You know, we, we like thinking theological thoughts. We like reading the scriptures, like reading the commentaries. And so we, we are very much cognitively, rationally oriented, and that, that's a good thing. But we have to recognize the people who are sitting in the pew have not been to seminary, have not been to Bible college. They're not reading theological volumes every week. And so what we're able to do is address them the way the scriptures do. Here's a truth. Here's an account of somebody living or not living that truth. Now, how are you going to respond to it? Think, feel, do, explain illustrate that is demonstrate and then apply and that's just it's just the way humans function as i said they're they're not all dr spock they're not all brains on a stick they're people who interact with life and we're trying to help them do that according to scriptural values not every sermon point is going to have a full-blown illustration in it so talk to us about illustrative material that may not be the full-blown take us to this context and plant us in there and tell the entire storyline of a, 
a body of an illustration. So what's the difference between an illustration and illustrative material and how are they helpful? Yeah, I mean, again, if we really get technical, and I know, Rob, you're doing that. You're kind of helping me be the surgeon here. And we're talking really technical things. So we talk about illustrative material. Uh, homileticians say there's typically a hierarchy of what is illustrative, but that means it is a, a, an image that draws to mind a greater truth. Okay, so illustrative material. So you said that the very simplest is a metaphor, you know, in, in which you would say, you know, sin is a web that traps us. Well, that, that's just a metaphor. And it's an image that comes to mind to demonstrate the nature of sin. Uh, life is like a banana peel, a little bit more. That's a simile. So it's still illustrative, right? So it's slippery and you can fall a lot. <laughs> um, and, and as you kind of march through metaphor, simile, the next thing that I think preachers most often think is an illustration, but is not, is just illustrative material, is an allusion. I allude to, I refer to an account. So I say, you know, it's when we are facing uh, huge trials, it's, it's like we're David going up against Goliath. And I may think in my mind, well, I just gave an illustration, David and Goliath. I said, well, actually, you didn't. You just alluded to an illustration. An illustration is a small story within the body of a message, usually a paragraph or two, usually takes a minute and a half to two minutes, a three-minute one is a long one, you know. And I've got no Bible verse to prove what I just said. It's just the way people feel and respond in Western culture. Not all cultures are the same, but Western culture has its roots in um, rhetorical speech, in Greek and Roman patterns. We don't even know that. They're centuries old. And so people, when they hear us explain a truth for a few minutes, expect us to demonstrate it, and they expect it, you know, a minute and a half, three minutes, getting to the outer limits, or else they think we've actually gone into storytelling rather than to explaining a truth. And so we have this after allusion where we don't just allude to a story. There is an illustration, which is the telling of a story. And it usually has key words that are related to the truth that we were just telling. Okay. So if I'm talking about, um, we, we can, we should believe in God's, sovereign control of past, present, and future. Well, when I'm telling the illustration, I've already told myself and my listeners, what are the key words that I'm gonna be using the illustration, past, present, future? I mean, the, the, the words that I'm explaining are the words that are key to the illustration. Sometimes when people just start preaching, the reason they get lost in their illustrations is they, they don't exactly know what words they're supposed to be using or how they're telling the illustration. So we just need to remind people the ear, the ear always believes that what you're illustrating is the last thing you said prior to the illustration. So if you're talking about something you said two minutes ago or three sentences ago or three paragraphs ago, people are totally lost. What is he talking about? The ear always expects you to be illustrating the last thing you said prior to the illustration. And what the ear expects to hear within the illustration is the key terms that you are explaining from the truth that you are explaining. So again, if God is sovereign past, present, and future, I'm going to be talking about whatever it is. A child in my neighborhood whose mother had abandoned him in the past, 
but had been adopted by a faithful mother in the present, and he believed he would be with her for the future. You know, whatever are the key terms of the explanation, they are used in the illustration. We don't expect people to put it together. You know, they'll figure it out. Well, not if you're not speaking in terms that their ear can navigate. So we're speaking not only for the mind, but for the ear. And uh, that, that is the current field of what's called orality, right? So what happens in oral speaking? So when we are telling illustrations, we are speaking of, a, of an experience that explains the truth that we are talking about, but we are using the terms by which we explain the truth in the telling of the illustration. So we're weaving this sermon together, and I know that sounds very technical, but Rob, I know you've, you've read us saying, it's, it's not technical at all, it's just the way we talk. We're, we're really trying to say that the, the patterns of conversation are what we're going to adopt into our preaching. Many of us, when we prepare sermons, we think we are writing essays. And we're listening to our English teacher from the past saying, don't keep repeating words, that's redundant. And we say, no, 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 this is, this is a sermon, this is an oral medium. Keep repeating the same words, that ties the message together for a listener. This isn't a reader, they're not reading our words, they're listening to our words. And so we find those key words of explanation. They get repeated in the illustration. And honestly, they get repeated in the application. Therefore, you should believe that God is active in the past and that he will be with you in the present, that he will be with you in the future. And therefore, we trust him. So those, those key terms are woven throughout each main point so that the listener, not a reader, so the listener can put together what you're saying. And in, in that sense, we recognize that preaching follows the rules of orality rather than the rules of literacy. By that, I mean literary reading. We have to understand there is a difference. And repetition is one of the most powerful tools that a preacher has. Not, not repetitive thought, but repeated key words. Well, that was pretty surgical there, Rob. <laughs> but hopefully a little bit helpful. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Chapel. We one of the key words here on the verse by verse preaching podcast is the lightning round in which that we weave this podcast to an end by three questions in which that if you wouldn't mind to answer them in one sentence a piece as we mentioned before, it's an exercise in brevity for expositors. So, question number one, give us a book recommendation for preaching and preachers that isn't preaching and preachers. That's usually one that they give uh, by <laughs> Martin, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, I'll go ahead and weed that one off the board. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind to give us a book for preaching and preachers that you yourself didn't write as a recommendation. Well, I would always recommend John Stott's Between Two Worlds, which I think is uh, just a wonderful... Oh, now they've gone more than a sentence. Sorry. John Stott's Between Two Worlds. It's a wonderful combination of both pastoral theology and speech theory. A little, little dated now, but a wonderful combination. Now, that was far too many sentences, Rob. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. We're not going to dock you uh, too badly. Uh, question number two, who is the person outside of the scriptures who has had the most influence on your preaching? Oh, clearly my father. So my father was a farm management uh, 
director, but at the same time, he was a lay preacher. And uh, so I accompanied him on weekends in a little circuit of three churches that he pastored. And uh, I, I would say my father was my most influential uh, person in terms of my preaching. All right. And the third and final question here in the lightning round. It's a very complex and difficult question. As a theologian, you're used to these type of deep things. But is a hot dog considered a sandwich? Why or why not? <laughs> I would say, yes, it's meat between bread. So, but I, I have no zeal for the subject. <laughs> I have zeal for hot dogs, however, eating them, not discussing. Ketchup and mustard, please. Yes, both with relish. Yes. Well, we relish our time with you today on the verse by verse. I saw you there. there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we, we have relished this time together. Thank you very much, Dr. Chapel, for joining us on the verse by verse preaching podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for listening to the verse by verse preaching podcast. You can find us online at goversebyverse.com.